0: Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey,
1: it's Kelly, and this week we chat with award-winning Australian singer-songwriter Andrew Farris of the hit group In Excess. Andrew is releasing his self-titled debut album and is here to tell us all about it, as well as what it was like being part of such a massively successful global rock band. We also welcome R&B soul recording artist Justine Tyrell, talking about her upcoming EP, the release of her latest single called My Name, and if she feels R&B music gets enough support and recognition in Canada. Our music editor Sharon Hyland drops by to discuss the recent Grammy Awards, and if The weekend made the right move to boycott the Grammys from future consideration of his songs.
2: Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Joining us on the show is award-winning Australian singer-songwriter Andrew Farris, who you know from the world-renowned band in excess that have sold over 50 million albums worldwide and reached diamond selling status in Canada. Andrew is releasing his self-titled debut album this spring. Andrew welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show.
2: Yeah how you doing Kelly?
1: I am so great and I'm super excited to have you on our show and my first question has to be knowing that you come from the pop world and I think a lot of people know that that's where you've you've been. Why is your solo album revolving around country music?
2: good question. Well, I've always loved country music, uh, and I, I'm i a songwriter. You know, people who may know a little bit about my background know that that's the main thing I've done is written songs, and, you, you know, your listeners probably know a lot of the songs I've written, but, you know, when it came to do my own record, I didn't really kind of know at first exactly what I wanted to do, and... But I always loved country music, and even though I played in the rock, you know, band like in excess for, for so many years, and I miss those guys. I loved that band. Awesome band of people. You know, it, it wasn't that. It was more that, you know, when I went to make my own stuff, I just, you know, had to think carefully about what I wanted to do, and I realized the country music genre was something that I felt comfortable with as I'm a songwriter. You know.
1: I know you recorded some of the album in Nashville and some at home in Australia. So why did you decide to stay at home and then also, you know, travel very far (laughs) to record in Nashville?
2: First of all, you know, Nashville is a great music city. You know, it's like a mecca for songwriters and like-minded people who are into music. They love going to Nashville and I can understand why, you know. Um, But also because my wife's actually originally from Dayton in Ohio in the U.S. And so I was, you know, sort of with her family on one visit a few years back. And uh, we decided to drive down Nashville just because it's a fun town. You know, you go down to Broadway and they have all the the live music there and country music. And so we drove down there and I also had doors open because of my songwriting, uh, you know, reputation. And, you know, I started working with guys and gals there and I suddenly realized this is fun being here. And I went back again. And, you know, the next time I went back, I started re-recording a lot of older demos that I had recorded, you know, songs I'd written previously, including new songs I'd written just recently. Uh, But I wasn't happy with the recording, so I wanted to re-record them. And I also did that, at my farm studio where I live in Australia. I did that, and I started re-recording them. That's kind of how my album started.
1: And do you find, because obviously you have that connection uh, to Australia and living there and breathing there and all that sort of good stuff, is there a significant difference between, let's say, Australian country music and American country music?
2: That's an interesting question. I mean, I think, I think what I'm going to use these words, I think Australiana and Americana, I kind of and it's probably a Canadiana if I can use that yeah. word. I don't know what you got right. I, what do you guys call it there? You know, like your folk music. Yeah, own, I I think that's music, a good word.
1: Is. I think that's a good word. I'm going to tell everyone to use it now.
2: <laughs> it's kind of a silly word, really. Uh, they all are, but uh, yeah, Canadiana, huh? But like, I think that all of our our countries, you know, uh, in a sense, we're all young countries. You know, like uh, Australia, the United States, Canada. We're all, we're all kind of making it all up as we go along. We don't have like, I'm not talking about our indigenous cultures. I'm talking about, you know, when Europeans first came to, to, to Australia, us, Canada, and other countries that they, you know, they brought with them these old folk instruments and things, you know, uh, well, classical instruments is what they were really. And then they got absorbed into the cultures of our countries. And then that formed country music. And the reason I'm sort of talking about this is because to answer your question, is that I think the history of how, you know, folk music then became country music is interesting because, you know, that's how the, the dots were joined you know, like that, I think. And that's why there are similarities between Australian, American, and Canadian country music because that the, we're young countries if you, in that sense, if you, culturally, if you know what I mean.
1: That's fantastic. I love that. And, you know, I wanted to ask you this because I grew up on a farm here just outside of Montreal, Canada, and I know how much that has influenced me creatively, just being able to be outside in the green and with the animals and all that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering, like, how much of your day-to-day life uh, living on the farm where you do in Australia has affected the music that you're producing now?
2: Well, I went down to the chicken coop the other day and I got 41 eggs uh, from uh, 12, 12 chickens. Uh, you know, that's cool, huh? That's cool. Uh, You know, seriously, no, I, yeah, I, you know, I have for cattle and grains when it rains property. We've been through like a really heavy drought in our district and it really affected all of the communities. Like not in a good way. It was really, really bad experience. And, but I lived that with those people, you know, um, I don't just drive around in a fancy car. I I have a truck that's covered in dirt and I, I work outdoors with some of the people that work on the property as well. And, Try not to hurt myself because some of those activities on, on a farm can be dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and you got to be careful. Safety first, you know. So, you know, I know what it's like, and I have a lot of empathy for people who, who, who work out on the ground and do these sorts of jobs. Like, you know, people, I think a lot of people, especially younger people, think food comes from a supermarket. Mm-hmm. You
1: know? mm-hmm. do you it th- doesn't
2: come from a supermarket. It, no, it you does not. you got to grow it.
1: Exactly, exactly. And do you find though, um, Andrew, obviously you've been writing songs for years and years and years. Do you have like a specific place that you like to write? Like, is it always in the studio? Do you get inspiration when you're, let's say, outside on a horse or on a tractor? Like, where does your inspiration come from?
2: Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I, when I, if I'm on a horse or, on a tra- I'm on, or I'm on a tractor, I'm usually thinking about what the tractor or the horse is doing, um, not so much songwriting because okay. it's dangerous, right? Yeah, it can be. Um, you know, I fell off a horse not that long ago, and that hurt.
1: Oh, yes, it um,
2: did. <laughs> and tractors are, da- tractors are dangerous things. You know, uh, if you you know you use them the wrong way or you're not paying attention. But for me, songwriting's always been, you know, whether I'm writing lyrics or writing the music. You know, usually I, it just comes from being inspired about an idea about something, and I'm thinking you know, especially for my album that gets released on March 19th, what I'm most excited about is that I didn't quite understand at first, okay, I'm Andrew Farris, I want to make an album, so what? What kind of album do I want to make, you know? And that was really confusing. I knew I wanted to do country music because I love country music, but I wasn't quite sure what kind of an album I wanted to make. And then a couple of, you know, really cool things happened where my wife uh, is from Dayton in Ohio and I was with her family and we took a trip down to Nashville. And like I was telling you that, I think. Yep. And, um, and anyway, yeah. And we went down Highway 75. and But the point is, having been in Nashville for a while, you know, yeah, I can write songs. And sure, they, they love country music and lots of other music in that town. But then Marlena, my wife and I, we took a trip. Uh, horse riding trip down in the Chiricahua Mountains on the Mexican border right where New Mexico meets Mexico and Arizona right on that literally on that triangle sort of area and it was an incredible experience we rode horses for about 6 hours and uh, it wasn't like a little pony ride you know mm-hmm. and we we so sort of, yeah it was full on and we did that for about 5 or 6 days um my ass hurt i can tell you <laughs> uh but anyway it was it was uh It was good, it was a great experience and But what I got was uh, from the Wrangler from uh, Craig Lawson, who sadly has passed away, he's an old cowboy guy, and his wife, Tam. They went with my wife and i we, we rode all over this sort of national monument areas, and I got a lot of uh, education and history taught to me about the old West, you know up the road was tombstone, and you had the Apache Indians, you had the Mexican uh, army and Mexican people. The Settlers, the Outlaws, the U.S. Cavalry, you know, all this tumultuous history. And it's not like a Hollywood film. It was all gritty and real, and it was dirty and dusty and hot, you know. And I was writing around, and I I just, that's when I started to get the inspiration was I I went back to Nashville after I did all this stuff, and I suddenly realized when I got back to Nashville, I I don't want to write just sort of, I don't want to write competitive pop music, I actually want to write about what I just saw, or the history I just saw is amazing. And um, that's really where my journey started. And I thought, I know how to make this album now. I know what I'm doing.
1: That's awesome. That sounds super, like, inspirational. And I wanted to ask you too, I guess, like, in that regard, you know, knowing that you've, again, come from pop and rock, um, and written all these songs, and and obviously Country is a Love of Yours, is it a different way of writing a country song versus what you would have written for in excess
2: yeah it's, it's very different uh probably though the similarity comes in songs like uh you know i've always been a songwriter i'm so proud of the work that i did with in excess and especially with michael hutchins the two of us wrote i don't know how many songs over 300 songs i think or more maybe together when he was alive and you know i love that stuff that we did uh and i wrote on my own for the band as well but and other people within the band wrote for the band and with the band too. But it wasn't that so much as it's more when I'm writing for myself, I have to think about what I can cope with as a lead singer. You know, like uh, I, 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 I'm not those guys, you know, I'm not Michael, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew, I'm Andrew Farris, you know. So when I get out there and, and have to be myself, I have to think carefully, like, who am I writing this song for? Well, this time it's, I'm writing it for myself, you know. So I have to think carefully about if I'm comfortable with some of the songs I'm writing, if I can actually get out there and do it. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm.
1: And actually, is that been um, like a challenging uh, ride for you to know that like now you are the lead singer and, and like, you know, you've got to be the man out in front. Like, is that, uh, has that been a bumpy ride or is it something you've like totally embraced?
2: Well, uh, it's too late now. I've totally embraced it (laughs) and I'm doing it. Uh, you know, but I'm feeling good about it. I know what you mean. And I, I, you know, I've I've been in the industry for a long time, the music industry, and I, I've seen, you know, big massive highs and massive lows and in my life and not just the music industry but in life. You know, and I feel it's the right time for me to do all this. I feel like I don't know how to explain it. I feel like I'm in the moment, I'm in my body, I feel good, it's all good, you know. And off we go, you know. I
1: have to say though, I saw the uh press material for like the album and uh, you just look super cool in your cowboy hat. Like you should look like you should be on the set of a like a western movie. Not not many guys can pull that off and look cool. So you've done it.
2: I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. I've had a lot of people say, you know, that a lot of my videos I'm putting out they look like little little movies. You know, they do. And I, I'm just having fun with it. For anyone that gets into entertainment and the music industry, you're entertaining people. And part of my journey is I just hope people, you know, are entertained by what I'm doing because then I feel like I'm doing my job properly. You know what I mean?
1: that's awesome now I have to ask you this because you you did mention in excess and, and uh, Michael um, Hutchins who I know obviously uh, so many people you know still have such love for the band and what you guys accomplished and like I still think you guys are probably getting new fans as people discover your music even though I know you guys have been on I don't know if you're calling it hiatus or the band was really done in, in 2012 but and I was sort of going through all of your Instagram pictures and I saw that you had posted a couple of pictures of you and Michael. Do you ever like, do you, do you miss those days a lot? Like, and obviously I know Michael must be someone that's still so important to you.
2: Well, you know, yeah, of course, you know, like all the guys in excess and Michael, you know, they're my brothers, my friends, my mates and, you know, yeah, I miss Michael. Uh, it's not a day go by that sometimes I, you know, I, I wish he was still around, but you know, it, it was his time, I guess, to go. And that was very sad, but he left some beautiful music for us all to listen to. And, you know, and, and we wrote a lot of that together as well. And so I, I'm proud of that. And, you know, And I, I miss the guys in, in the band, they an awesome band, and uh, incredible live players as well, you know, um, musicians and good people. Uh, but, you know, I can't live in the past. I've got to keep moving forward. We all do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just life, you know, as we know it, you know. Um, but one thing about my album I want to say is that a lot of my inspiration with lyrics on my album came about from the idea of frontiers, you know, like that was another thing I'm fascinated with is life before electricity, just before electricity became, you know, a big thing in in modern culture. What was life like before electricity? Because if you stop and think about it, you, know, you and I are talking, you know, on technology right now, that was unimaginable, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. And you know, and, and I feel the frontier that exists now isn't physical frontiers anymore. There's, it's all technical driven. It's electronics and all this stuff's going on. And it will be different again in 50 years' time. There'll be something else going on. But we only have one Earth, you know, and that's a lot of my inspiration for, for my music I'm making too, is that I'm saying, well, I'm asking the question really of everybody is do we all know where we're going with all this technology stuff, mm-hmm. you know?
1: That's amazing. That's really great because I do think people, more people, need to contemplate the use of this planet and what we're doing. So I think that's awesome if you can create conversations and thought processes on that. And I have to bring this up too because I know recently um, you received the uh, the honor of member of the Order of Australia. I can't even imagine what that means, because I just know almost every artist that I interview, if we ever talk about their hometown or their home country, like it always just takes a special place in their heart, even if they've changed cities or they live in a different country. So knowing that you've got this love from Australia, um, your country, what does that mean for you?
2: Yeah, it was huge. Uh, I mean, I, I feel I, I, what I didn't really understand about it until I actually received the award physically uh, you know, from, from, from the government in Australia is that I, I was listening to what other people had done, men and women, to receive their honor, their honours and their award. And it made me very emotional to listen to stories, especially from the military and people who looked like they had, you know, might still have some, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome or whatever, and I, I could see it in their being, you know. And I, I just made me stop and think, you know, how lucky I am and fortunate I am to be receiving an, an honor like that alongside people like that, was very, a very overwhelming sort of feeling, actually. And, and normal people who, you know, there might be some children that were drowning, you know, out in the ocean, and this man went and rescued and saved five lives or whatever. And I'm sitting there just shaking my head going, wow. You know, um, and the, you know, these stories of just immense courage and, and passion to help other people are just overwhelming. You know, um, and so yeah, I feel really, really fortunate.
1: When it becomes safe to go touring again, will you be touring uh, this new material? And will you come abroad, like to a Canada? Because we'd love to see you.
2: Yeah, Kelly, I'd love to come Canada, and I'd love to see you guys. I really would. Um, I'm believe it or not, I'm touring uh, as of April the ninth here in, in, around uh, Australia. Oh, great! And that's because we've restric- oh. yeah, because restrictions are easing a little bit here, and please, dear God, they're going to stay easing. You know, um, they're not going to go backwards again, but, you know, I'm really excited and I've got a great band I've got fantastic musicians. If anyone wants to check out what we've been doing, they can go to my website, jandrewfarris.com and, and check on the uh, uh, EP, the Andrew Farris Live at th- uh, Studios 301. We recorded like a little concert when we're in lockdown and people can check out uh, what we're doing live by just, they can watch it, what, what, what we're actually going to be playing live. And then I, I, we also tracked another nine songs, which we're in post-production with at the moment. We filmed, but we're doing post-production work on the actual filming of it to edit it and all that sort of stuff. And um, But look, I, I got to jump off the call, but it's lovely to talk to you. And uh, thank you so much for calling to me.
1: No problem. I really appreciate it, Andrew, and have a great rest of your day.
2: Thank you so much. You too.
1: That is award-winning Australian singer-songwriter Andrew Ferris. Hit up his website, com. Very happy, as always, to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show, our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. Hey, Kel. How are you? I am great. And uh, this is a special episode for us because you and I, of course, are music lovers to the max. And it obviously recently yeah. uh, has been the uh, 63rd annual Grammy Awards, uh, a different award show as uh, the rest of them have to be over the last, uh, you know, year, because that's the way things are rolling. But this is the first time the Grammys have had to sort of change up. I know the, the uh, awards that Happen in the fall. They've already had to do their thing, and obviously, um, just some of the the TV ones and the uh, film ones have had to be different. But I have to tell you, like I thought, the MTV Video Music Awards did a great job, like last August, and I really find mm-hmm. that the Grammys put together such an amazing flow of a show.
0: It was really classy. It felt, yeah, the, you're exactly right with the flow because it really it acknowledged, uh, I think, <laughs> everything that everybody wants at this time, which is live music. To be able to get together while acknowledging all the safety protocols and uh, and respecting what's going on in the world, so it was a nice dose of uh, you know some of our favorite singers and and living vicariously through the people that got to be with other people
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, i just i love that they thought to reach out to the music community not only in Los Angeles but you know uh, in new oh, york yeah. and Uh, I believe Nashville too, like just trying to bring focus to the fact that these establishments um, like the Troubadour are still waiting to get back into action and and could use some support. So I just thought that was amazing. I love how they had that sort of Garden esque scenario where the artist could um, get their reward, or, like pick up their awards, receive their awards, and that it was, um, you know, they were able to sort of flow in and out the nominees for that category so that everybody that wanted to be there was there uh, if they, you know, should win to be able to go up on stage. And then I think the part I love the most was just the fact that for their performances, they had other artists stay around and watch each other perform. I like
0: Harry Styles
1: watching Haim. Like it was I just love amazing.
0: That. Oh, I loved it. It was neat. I love that. Uh, you know, that they're fans of music, obviously, <laughs> um, but they have full on respect for their uh, their um, people in the category or people just around them, people in their industry that they're singing along yep. to their, while they're these people are performing. I loved seeing that, too. It was really it's an, and I'm sure it was inspiring for them,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: because on a human level, they're the same as us. They want to spend some time with people. Um, and an artistic level, they're like, yeah, I think I could dig in on that. I think I caught the, um, was it Silk Sonic when they were performing? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, it was the Black Pumas. And um, and how uh, Harry Styles was like, he had this kind of like, yeah, look in his eyes, you know, <laughs> like, let's get to it.
1: <laughs> that was so awesome. And and I'm sure you've, you've heard this before, but I've had the chance to interview some artists or even just watch, you know, other artists being interviewed where they talk sometimes about, not, like, not all of them are... Happy to go to award shows. Like a lot of them, think it's you know a lot of trouble to get all dressed up, and then it's and it's fake. Like I know Justin Bieber has talked about that in the in the past. Like it was uh, hard for him to, because it just felt like it was it was a lot of fakeness going on. But honestly, I think after the year that we've been through, like those reactions that we saw from Harry Styles yesterday, or like when you know the show went on um, and Haim, and just like everybody else that was there, like Megan Thee Stallion, like was so happy to be with each other.
0: Yeah, agreed. The thing I find different about the Grammys this year, and probably within the last few years, is that in my memory, the, the Grammys were always about the art of it. So not the sales, not the stats, not the streams. I mean, certainly the Grammys, <laughs> I think only recently acknowledged that people stream things. So to my eye, it seemed that they referred to, there was lo- there was reference to, uh, you know, so many streams and And uh, the implication was more sales driven, in my estimation, I could be wrong. Uh, And not to take away the artistry of anybody that was nominated or who won. But it seems to me how they present the show, that it's much more pop oriented. Mm -hmm. And again, pop is a derivative of the word popular. So I get it. (laughs) These are popular artists, no question. I just wonder when that's official shift happened to make it not unlike the american music awards that used to be the discrepancy was that the american music awards were sales driven uh, a reflection of who was buying what and still a great show and grammys were they not that they didn't acknowledge that records were being sold but it was the focus was more on the art and mm-hmm. i i don't know that that's necessarily the case in my opinion
1: Well, I know one person who was upset was uh, because I was I often now when I watch award shows, I troll along. I shouldn't say troll along because I'm not trolling, but I'm I'm following along (laughs) on on Twitter uh, to see what the what the what the comments are. And um, Eddie Trunk, who you and I have talked about before, who obviously is very well known um, in the rock community and has his own show on Sirius XM. He was very upset before. Or I guess like they, that they hadn't spoken about Eddie Van Halen. And then he actually put that tweet out before they did the mentioned Eddie. And then I was like, he's still not going to be happy because it was a very quick in memoriam uh, when they mentioned Eddie Van Halen.
0: Well, there was really not much in the way of a rock reference in the Grammys at all, mm-hmm. like at all. And and if we look back on, you know, the history of the Grammys and the bumps that they've, uh, you know, encountered along the, uh, along the road, Um, that take us back to 1989 when they acknowledged that, okay, well, there is heavy metal music out there. Let's create a category. And then they award it to Jethro Tull. That was, you know, I think a blemish in the uh, experience, but you know, it's, they've historically been, you know, maybe two steps forward, one back, two steps forward, one back. And, um, and I'm not sure when it became that rock music as a, a genre was, Completely irrelevant to them. I don't know when that happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. But it's, uh, it's blatant. That's for sure. Maybe it was
1: when I know it was the American Music Awards when Slash got up there and let fly some curse words. But
0: <laughs> but I'm not sure. Oh if yeah. That happened. And you know what? That's that's rug and rule. Yeah. Exactly. Don't serve them. Al- don't serve them alcohol. <laughs> maybe don't have a bar. <laughs> yeah. There we are.
1: A couple of things I, I we have to touch on for sure. Obviously, I wanted to mention the Eddie, Eddie Van Halen thing for sure because it was. Very quick, his mention in the memoriam. But Beyonce, my goodness! So nine nominations, but the main thing is that she actually now has Grammy history, becoming the most decorated female artist with twenty-eight Grammy wins. That was fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. She... Beyonce gets it. That's why.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's like <laughs> next. Uh, she's like next level.
0: Yeah, she. Uh, she's earned her way there. That's for sure. I love that she mentioned that she's been working since she was nine. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will dismiss uh artists in a popular category for you know having just arrived there's no debate that uh beyonce has worked her butt off to get to where she's uh gotten uh, alongside the you know notion that she is or has got diva-esque qualities to her some might argue that she's earned those too <laughs> right yeah um but the, but the the fact is that the uh the wealth of music that she has worked through um and provided to her fans and uh is is uh, unmatched, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a clear record that she's worked hard for it and uh and we love it. Gosh, she's great.
1: Oh yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned the uh diva-esque perception I guess cuz I think the perception that's out there now is that she and Jay are just this Superpower couple that are very kind, but like you, there's a circle around them, and you don't go in unless you're invited. But it's not that they're mm-hmm. mean. Like that's kind. Of, it's funny because that's the perception I get. It's like they are such royalty now that everybody is like scared of them, and so, for no reason. Because all I ever hear is how kind she is. Uh, like mm-hmm. even Megan The Stallion talked about like just how great she is. And I mean, you know, they both Megan The Stallion and Beyonce, you know, have done things for their hometown of Houston during the pandemic, and even did more things uh, more recently with um, that the terrible weather that they had with the freezing cold. Uh, uh, like yeah. they've done more things. So you know, she's incredibly kind and incredibly talented, and but it's weird. There's, like, this aura around them that you're not allowed to go in their zone unless you're, like, invited in. So, uh, it's true. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But I have to bring up Megan Thee Stallion. You know, for a long time I've been a big fan of hers and, you know, walking away with three wins last night, including one that I think is always coveted, not that it, it necessarily means anything because there's been people that have won it and then go on to obscurity, but she won Best New Artist.
0: Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. She's very talented. Yeah. Like, there's no question about that. And yes, you know what, to your credit, you have been talking about her for a long time. I, I thought she was well-spoken. Uh, I love that she not only credited uh, Beyonce f- as an inspiration, but also at the same time was like, you know, gave herself a little pat on the back too, not in, a, not in an overt sort of way, but when she, when she referred to uh, her mother saying, what would Beyonce do? And she was like, yeah, and a little bit of me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and you can't, you can't get you can't move ahead in this industry without acknowledging that you deserve to be there. So good for her.
1: Yeah. And I want to mention another um, artist that I've loved for well over a year now. And I'm so glad that she's just, you know, completely blown up. And she obviously she would, you know, won big last Grammy awards, uh, but the artist her, you mm. know, she won song of the year for I can't breathe, which is a song from what I understand that was written around the time of the George Floyd situation. Um, And was very, you know, inspired by everything that the Black community has gone through. And I'm just so pleased for her and her co-writer that they were able to walk away with Song of the Year. That's fantastic. And she's such a talent, her. She's amazing.
0: And again, another humbling notion uh, or something that will align us with someone of her caliber is she referred to having written that song in her bedroom at her parents' house. Like, that's amazing. And that's a reflection of, of the reality of what a lot of people were Doing this past year, you know, like you made a decision whether or not she lived with her parents before. Maybe she moved back. Maybe she just wanted to be able to see them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I thought that was inspiring for any young songwriter who actually is, you know a teenager actually living at their parents' house that thinks that they should write a song, obviously they should write a song.
1: Yep. And it's funny (laughs) you bring that up because that lends right into Billie Eilish, who, you know, won big last year. I believe it was five wins. Yeah, it was five Grammys last year. She won two this year, including Record of the Year. And, you know, with her favorite sidekick beside her, which is her brother, Phineas. Like, what are your thoughts on Billie? Like, to me, she's so... Like, it's, she has such a unique voice and a, and a way that she attacks her vocals. Like, she is the real deal, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. She's got a real cool tone to her overall being. And yeah. her voice obviously has a cool tone to it, like you said, but just the, the it's like a the bubble around her, the aura. I guess her aura is something that she doesn't seem, um, she seems completely unflappable, you yeah. know? Like, mm-hmm. This is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And whether or not that's how she actually executes, I don't know, but uh, she's really chill. And she was, again, one of those artists that sat on the sidelines while others were performing and was totally into it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some people that have been in that scenario before where they, they don't know they're, they're being captured on camera and they are making a face or they're not making a face. And then they get criticized for, you know, making or not making a face on purpose. Um, and these people were genuinely in it and mm-hmm. enjoying it. So I think that, uh, and Billie Eilish, what is she? Grade 19. 11? You know, like yeah. she's, she's still really young. So that she's hitting her, her mark at this stage of the game, I think will only open up a great possibility for her moving on.
1: I wanted to finish with something that has been circulating around in uh, the media the last couple of weeks. And that is the fact that The Weeknd has announced that he is not letting his record label submit his songs ever again uh, to the Grammys Mm -hmm. because of the fact that he was snubbed uh, with his album After Hours. And so and it sounds like obviously he will never attend the Grammys again ever. And so and I think, you know there's many people that believe he has a point because it does seem strange the amount of success he had with that album to not get nominated one time seems suspect. But yesterday, after the awards were over, um, obviously there were many people that still showed up, including someone who maybe you would have thought maybe would have been backing him up. Not that they needed to by any stretch, but Maybe more of the um, artists in his genre would have done that, like a Beyonce, like a Megan Thee Stallion, like a Cardi B, like not showing up. But Megan Thee Stallion actually was asked after the party was over if she thought the Grammys, you know, have uh, ulterior motives or whatever. And she pretty much flat out said no, but said she still has love for The weekend. So what are your thoughts on The weekend, uh, saying that he will no longer submit music to The Grammys? And do you think he had a point in the first place?
0: I think that he's uh, obviously within his right to do that, whether or not there was any controversy uh, surrounding his decision. I think it prob- the decision to, to do that probably takes away, takes anything away from the art of it. He wasn't making an album in the first place to get Grammy nom- uh, nominations or recognition. Uh, but I think, again, two steps forward, one back. I think that I can't, it's a head shaker as to why he wouldn't have been acknowledged after the year we've had and how much we heard that song. Mm-hmm. There were it, so far reaching uh, the uh, beyond any sort of demographic assigned to, uh, you know, maybe a younger person to liking that particular band. We had and we saw families <laughs> dancing to that song and trying to figure out that dance on TikTok. Millions of people, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, so how do you, Disregard that kind of attention I don't get that So I think he was I I support his decision to do that as an artist And I think it's probably healthy as an artist Like I said, whether or not there's any sort of uh, uh, Drama going around Or around his situation I think it probably just He's still going to make great music It's not going to affect his output That's for sure Mm -hmm. It will have an effect on the Grammys Because it, it makes them look ignorant
1: Yeah, I think you're right When you do your description of the like one step forward, two step back, because that seems to be how they roll. I don't I don't think they plan to or to be like that. But that's uh, that's how it ends up coming out. Sharon Hyland, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
0: Cal, you have a great day. Thank you.
1: That is our music editor, Sharon Hyland, and you can listen to both Sharon and I on the other podcast that we do together called 90s now, 90snow.com.
2: The Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Super excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show Canadian R&B soul singer and songwriter Justine Tyrell, who's released a great new song called Radar. It's getting rave reviews right around the country, and we're super excited excited to welcome her to the show. Justine, thank you so much
3: for hanging out. Thank you for having me. It feels good to hang out.
1: Well, I, I am like a huge fan now that I found out that you exist, so this is great. Thank you. And I actually have questions coming up in a bit with regards to the Canadian R&B scene. So I want to ask you about that. But I want to
3: start, I want people to know, like, how you got your start in music. Like, where did this passion come from? That is such a good question. I, so I I wrote my first song when I was seven, super young. And I think it was just like, always music in my household, grew up around it. In terms of how I got my start, I kind of quite literally, I had a clock radio and I was maybe 16, 17, and I burnt it. I burnt a CD to date myself uh, and put it in my clock radio. And it was all instrumentals. And I kid you not, I went like door to door, venue to venue and just sung for them and tried to get gigs. Most of them said no. The first one I landed was a gym grand opening. And he's like, yeah, sure, go sing in the corner. Like, that's weird, but just whatever. And I just like, from then I never stopped. I've upgraded to a band now, so we're good. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's, it's just been that thing that I've just always loved and it's always made sense to me and I, and I suck at everything else. So this had to work. <laughs> That's
1: good that you have a good sense of, of what you suck at and what you don't. So. And,
3: oh, <laughs> very good.
1: Sense that. So talk to me about, because I'm always in, interested in when I, when I speak to an artist, who they listened to growing up, because I always feel, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's some level of whoever you've listened to has somehow seeped into the sound that you now create. True,
3: but, false? Yeah, you're, as true as it gets. For me, it was a lot of, I had a really eclectic span. So I had, so my dad's Jamaican, my mom's Hungarian, born here. And on the Hungarian side of my family, I had like, we were listening to the Beatles and the Eagles and Elvis and just all that kind of stuff. And on my dad's side, we had Bob Marley, we had R&B, we had jazz. And so I kind of got a conglomerate somewhere in the middle. But if I had to narrow it down to like my top five, I'd say Amy Winehouse, poster in the back. Uh, Aaliyah was always one of my favorites. Erica Badu, Garth Brooks, if you can believe it. Little Garth in there. And I would say, oof, probably Alicia Keys. I'd say those were my, my holy grails. You scored extra points by saying Erica Badu. I know a lot of people call her Erica Badu. Oh
1: no, that's terrible! No, it's not a no. good thing. It's she not a, is, if
3: someone says that to me, I'm like, you're not actually a fan. Yeah, your name right.
1: For starters, have you, have you seen her perform yet live? No, I haven't. Have you? you? Must you must? She came oh. to Montreal, um, 2008. Uh, that's when oh. I saw her, and funny enough, she was like two or three hours late. I think it was two and a half hours late. And we were outside. It was May. It was freezing because it was like, it was like spring, spring cold. You know what I mean? So like great during the day, but not at night. I couldn't feel my feet from my ankles down because I'd been standing like for so long and the roots had opened for her and they were, they were great. They stayed on and played an extra hour or whatever because she was late. And I was literally about to leave. And they're like, she's here because it was this outdoor venue. And so I was with my cousin. I'm like, we're going to we're going to watch this. We're going to stay. I forgave her in the first three seconds because she just went like she came on stage and her drum kit went boom, boom, boom. She's like Montreal. And I'm like, I love you. and I was Mm. like, (laughs) Mm.
3: You're like, Erica. I know this see is see your interview, but, but I had to
1: tell you that story.
3: I had no, that. I'm glad you did. I feel like I'm like living through you every step of that. I'm picturing it like right down to not feeling my feet. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there. she was worth the pain. She was worth the pain. So make sure you see her. So now I want you to talk about, so you've told us who uh, you've listened to and including the Garth Brooks. I love that. How do you describe your sound and is it ever evolving at this point? Or do you have your sound? Yeah,
3: yeah no, it is so accurate to say that it's ever evolving. I think that predominantly I'm definitely R&B. I'm I'm soul. I I think I reflect a lot of what I listen to these days, which is a lot of R&B and soul. And that's also the heart of, I think, the, the genre I love the most. But having grown up on a little bit of jazz, a little bit of Amy Winehouse, I think you can hear an element in my sound that's kind of crosses genres a little bit every now and then. Um, But my sound is definitely ever evolving. I think a year ago, I thought I had it figured out too and was like, this is who I am as an artist. And now I'm just like, you know what? The whole artist thing is, you're just kind of always that moving target and you just have to make music based on where you're at at that time. So I I, I feel like I'm R&B, but ever evolving, short answer.
1: Hanging out with us on the show is Canadian uh, R&B singer uh, Justine Tyrell. Check out all of her social media handles by hitting up her website, uh, JustineTyrell.com. So let's talk about Radar because when I was sent the song, I immediately lost my marbles because it's so chill, but has this amazing melody and like you're then humming it after the song's over. So tell us how the song came about. Was it easy or challenging to produce and and record that?
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm so glad it made you feel that way. Uh, That song was probably the easiest, most organic song that I've done. And it's not always like that. Like That's not me being like, songwriting is so easy because it's not. But that song, it, it really started with I think we went in that day we wanted to write like kind of a sexy R&B banger not what we came out with obviously with a stripped down piano ballad but it really started when my piano player he just he hit a set of chords and just said you know kind of what do you think of this and we found the right piano sound for it and I I feel like the idea just kind of flowed to be perfectly honest and usually I'm, I'm a perfectionist to the point where it just feels so frustrating sometimes. But with this song, we were like, you know what? I think we just have to hit record, let it come out and then let it live like that. So we didn't do a bunch of takes. We didn't splice things up and edit things. We just hit record, did a take and let that take live, which the perfectionist in me was dying. But I think hopefully that it captured the most important thing about that song which was the moment and the emotion. And I've I've spent many years in my comfort zone, which is performing live. And I felt like for a second, for a second in this weird, weird world, I was able to get that live kind of performance feeling. So yeah, that was a very easy song. I think the one between you and I and anyone listening, the one thing that's kind of kicking me in the butt now is the song starts very abruptly because that's just how we went into it. And so later when it came to like making the music video and sending it out to radio and all of these other logistics, I didn't really think about probably would have been good to put a little intro in there, (laughs) but that's a learning thing. We've, we've recovered from that. Um, But yeah, it was a really easy, organic, uh, natural way that that song came together.
1: Is that why the music video is so organic too? Because like when I was sent the, the music video to check out, like, it's just, it's simple. It's like you and your p- piano player, uh, it looks like you're in some kind of like apartment or overlooking the city or something. That's right.
3: Okay, so, so how did that come about? And it just, it, again, very organic, super chill, awesome. 100%. And so you're, you're right in that it's a residence. It's actually a house from the 1920s that's in semi-restored. And some buddies of ours were about to move into it. So they've, they, they've, I think they've really just brought in the, enough for like a living room setting. And I just felt like the video had to echo the song and not feel too produced and not feel like contrived or any of that. And for some reason, I was obsessed with tea light. So I went and hit up the dollar store and bought every tea light in existence. And I wanted I wanted that song to feel like you were almost How do I explain it? If you were in the house, like maybe you were in a different part of the house and you heard music downstairs, for example, and you come down the stairs and you kind of peek in the room and you see this moment in progress. So things like the footsteps starting off the video, that was all really intentional and capturing that and putting that into the audio. Um, But yeah, I, I really wanted this song to just, or the video rather, to just echo the song, be simple, easy, organic, you know, something that you can just watch and be like, I felt that. I felt that.
1: That's awesome. Well, you did a great job. And, and here's a question for you. Yeah. Which person, either on the list that you just told me about that you love listening to growing up or someone else, who would you love to listen to your song Radar, like to, to listen to it? Like who, like, who would b- blow your mind if, if they listened to that track of yours?
3: Oh, that is a question and a half. Okay, so... I'm going to go with someone who wasn't on that list because I realized I also cryptically named a lot of people who were departed. So I'll go with someone who's still with us. (laughs) I think Drake honestly is one of, I just find him such a creative genius and he is such a great example of one of those artists who's always evolving. And I think if he listened to Radar, that's it. Like, that's it. He'd probably get a tattoo on on his body
1: just like he did for Charday. You
3: know what I mean? I, He'd get like a just- <laughs> I would offer to design it for him. I would drive him to the tattoo, <laughs> like whatever my guy needs. I'm there. I'm there.
1: Nice. So yes. I'm I'm glad you brought up Drake, especially because he's Canadian boy. And I wanted to get your take on the Canadian R and B scene because obviously we have the weekend. We have Drake. You know, we have Bieber, um, yes. who are. You know, obviously Beaver's pop too, but like very r and flavored as well. Um, these are the ones who have made it big internationally. Yeah. When it comes to the Canadian r and scene, do you feel as a Canadian r and artist that you are supported enough? And do you think you need more? Do you think as a whole, there needs to be some more support?
3: That's a really good question because I think that previously, I didn't really feel like there was a ton of support or attention to the Canadian r and scene. Now, I do feel like that's changing. You've listed, obviously, amazing, huge artists to come out of Canada. The one thing that I do feel is that a lot of great Canadian artists and R&B artists are attributed to the Toronto area. And you hear a lot about Toronto being that hub, right, where those artists come from. Whereas where I live, I'm out in Calgary, Alberta, and I think we're known a lot for country music, and indie music, and folk music, which we do brilliantly. But there's such an incredible R&B soul scene here that gets slept on. To be totally real with you, and so wow. I think Canada is getting the support for R&B artists, but I would love to see that reflect out here and see that in Alberta a little bit more, and have people realize that we have world class acts that come out of this city. We just need a little bit of that attention, and not even just artists, but producers. Like my whole production team, and I can work with people remotely. They're all Calgarians, all of them. You know, marketing team, all Calgarians. So. Yeah, I mean, it's supported, but but we're a little slept on out here. And I'd, I'd love to okay. see that. Good to, know. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I want to get the word out because I just think that like Canada has such a great scene, not only from Toronto and that there needs to be more love like across, especially like like I'm white farm girl who loves R&B. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's my yeah. jam. So I love. That. So, I, love that. I just always want the artists to do, be doing the best that they can and feel the support that they need. And speaking of all of this, and yeah. Canadian in general, do you feel like you might have to pull a Deborah Cox like she did 20 years ago and move to the States?
3: I'm happy you ask that because I toy with that a lot. Um, short answer is no. I think that I, at least not now, I, I love the States. So before COVID, we were actually going out to New York and Brooklyn and starting to perform more out there. Um, and, and I love it. It's such an amazing scene out there. But I don't feel like I have to move to those places in order to have success in my career and have things blow up. I think that when you have momentum, obviously you go where the work is, and the work might be in Toronto, it might be in New York or LA. But I don't really think you have to up and leave. I think there is something to also building this scene here. And I think just like how we reference Toronto and we reference artists that have come out of here, if we've got more artists coming out of Alberta and Canada in general, then it makes us a little bit more of a hub for music. So, I mean, eventually, yes, I will travel and I'll continue to work down there because I do love the States and I love the music scene in the States, but I don't think that you have to up and move in order to make it happen. I say this now, watch me like next week, I'm texting. I'm like, so Kelly,
1: I just moved to LA. I'm not a you, girl. Yeah, well, I have so many people that are, that have either pulled that, like, like, you know, um, uh, the, the boys from Loud Luxury, like they're in LA now. Um, I yeah. just did an interview with an amazing uh, Toronto DJ, uh, DLMT. He's, he's actually in Montreal. He moved from Toronto to Montreal, which I was thrilled about. And then he's like, ah, but I'm moving to LA this summer. I'm like, no. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, so it, I, it makes sense because obviously a lot of, you, you do have to go where the work is. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that if, if, if you have the idea that you have to move in order to, to make it or to be noticed, I don't think that's true. But if, if your career takes you there, I'll, I'm also not hating. If I'm there yeah. in a little bit, remember this moment and remember. this. <laughs> So now moving
1: forward, um, do you, like, are there specific goals for Justine Tyrell that you want to accomplish this year?
3: Yes. Yes. So putting out my EP, it'll be my debut EP. That is something that's been a long long time in the making. So that's a huge one. Um, There is, and it's a very specific, specific niche goal that I have with this next one. There is a performance-based show or um, YouTube series or whatever it is, but it's called Colors Studio. It was formerly Colors of Berlin. You might have heard of it, and I've discovered some of my favorite artists off of that. And just the platform is so huge. Who they choose is so wonderful. And so, a little secret goal of mine is to make this the year that I that I land my spot on that. Good. On that for you. Well, let's year. put yeah. that into the
1: universe. We're putting
3: that into the universe. And we're going to throw a Drake collab out there, I'm just saying, since we're putting things in the universe. Boom. Let's do it. Now,
1: uh, if you could switch places with another artist for one day, who would it be and why?
3: Oh, wow. Okay. The weekend, because he is riding that Super Bowl high right now. So give it. I want it. Got it.
1: Got it. Okay. What is your favorite activity away from your music career that you do to chill out and relax and enjoy life?
3: That's a good one. Um, Sketching. I don't do it enough. But I love it. I love sketching. I used to paint and all that stuff a lot when I was younger. But I'd say, yeah, sketching is that kind of unwind thing for me.
1: That's cool. Now, um, if you could, or I should say, what song on pop or R&B radio in the last 12 months do -hmm. you wish you had written?
3: Damn you, Shawn Mendes and The (laughs) Beats with Monster. Come on. That is such a great song I know it's not necessarily like R&B and not necessarily the stuff that I am known for doing but that song there's just something melodically the key that it's in like oh it gives me the feels I am so jelly of that song I know
1: what's crazy too is it's actually if you read the lyric like if you if you let the lyrics sit with you they're very simple they really are they're very simple but like but say a lot you know what I mean that's right very good. Um, which artist or producer would you love to collaborate with? Drake all day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I mean, I don't know if now is the time, but I have a Drake story. So Tell me the Drake was, story. Okay, so long story short, um, before he like fully fully blew up, he was in Calgary and he was playing a smaller venue. And I was dating this guy at the time who was not a vibe. Uh, anyways, so the guy I was dating, like put me on his shoulders and Drake's like doing his thing. And then he's like, Whoa, 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 hold hold up. And he's like, is that your boyfriend? And I'm like on this guy's shoulders and I hate him, but I was like, "Uh huh." and in front of the whole crowd, he goes, you can do better. And I was like, Oh, and everyone went crazy. So I'm like, you know what? If he could find me once to diss my boyfriend, he can find me again to do a damn track. Nice.
1: Nice. universe, putting in the universe. Come on, come um, on. And I'm always interested to ask this question. Yeah. So apart from your family and friends, mm-hmm. who is the coolest
3: person in your phone that you can reach out to? Ooh, Oh my gosh. I was not ready for that one. Okay. Well this person, I mean, they kind of double as a friend, but so it's like cheating a little bit, but Jocelyn Alice is such a wonderful, talented Canadian artist that we are so lucky to have. And I think that like the friendship aside, it is so cool to have another artist friend that I look up to. And she's always just so willing to help. And she has the coolest ideas and I love her. So I'm going to say Jocelyn Alice.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. She's hot. I love that girl. And uh, before I let you go, what do you want people who don't know Justine Tyrell to know about Justine Tyrell?
3: Oh man, that's a really good question. I... Okay, I'm going to go with my gut on this. It was going to be like talking about my music and stuff. But I think that more than anything, it is that I am someone that is a perfectionist. I have crippling self-doubt so many days. I have questioned myself and if I can do this and I've been hard on myself and yeah, I just, I want people to know that I'm a human. And if some days you feel like crap and you're struggling in whatever your journey is too, that I get it. And, uh, I'm always on social media. So if you want to talk about it, please do. But I am a, I am a work in progress. Let's say that. Awesome. Well, that's beautiful. And thank you
1: so much for hanging out and you are welcome back anytime. Hey, I will take you up on that. You're the best. Thank you, thank you so much, Kelly. That is uh, Canadian R and B soul singer, Justine Tyrell, hit up her website, justinetyrell.com for all of her social media handles.
0: The Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And a big shout-out to our guests, Andrew Farris, Justine Tyrell, and Sharon Hyland. My thanks, of course, to our super producer, Adam Brisol, for pushing all the right buttons. And don't forget that you can listen to us on many different podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have a great week. You and I'll chat soon.